lordy lordy Justin Charles Gleason is 40. <laughs> this past November 4th, 2022, yes, I turned 40 years old. And I got to tell you, I, I was dreading it. I've been thinking about it all year. Like every day I think, oh my goodness, I'm going to be 40. I'm going to be 40, 40, 40. And I just had this like, I don't know, 40-year-old phobia that I would wake up November 4th with back pain. I'd wake up with knee pain. I, I would just uh, wake up and feeling just terrible and horrible. But I got to tell you, quite the opposite happened. I woke up and I actually felt great. <laughs> and I feel good. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. I, I don't feel any different. I thought I would. I, I really don't feel any different at all. I got to tell you, I, I okay, so... Let me think about this. When I turned 18, I felt different. Like I woke up and I felt different. When I turned 20, I felt really different. Age 23, very different. Age 25, very different. Like, I don't know. It's like a, a I just felt different in my spirit and, and just physically everything just felt different. I felt older, you know, just thinking about mortality and stuff like that, right? At 30 years old, also felt the uh, same thing, felt different. At 36, very different. 36 was a strange feeling. I don't know why it was that way, but 40, I absolutely feel no different. I actually feel better at 40 than I did at 39. So I thank God for that. But I, I am such a blessed man. I have a wife that I love dearly. She loves me dearly. I have beautiful children, three beautiful children. Baby girl, little honey, she's six years old. Little Bubby, he is three years old. And baby boy, Ezzy, just turned a year old. His birthday's the day after mine, November 5th, which is really, really special to me. Uh, I've got wonderful parents, wonderful siblings, wonderful family, great friends, great support, and a tremendous church, the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. I'm the pastor-elect here of this local assembly. Belong to the United Pentecostal Church. Uh, have this podcast, listeners that I love so much. Opportunities to be a guest speaker at local churches and events here and there throughout the year. And it's just so many other things in life that I am very excited about, very happy about and it's all come from the lord i have uh, enjoyed my 40 years of life and in this episode i wanted to do something different i don't think i've ever done anything like this i just want to talk about life my life i'm gonna step away from the main message the main target we've been trying to bring to you and that is god bible and church and just simply talk about my life but I just know how it's going to go. It's going to be a lot of God, Bible, and church. So I hope it blesses you. It's one of the reasons why I started podcasting. I really, old school podcasting, it was invented to be literary and personable. It wasn't a whole lot of uh, like news type stuff or even fiction type stuff or history or even really religion or uh, biblical teaching and biblical insight, all of those things. It was really, you look in the old days of podcasting, it was just people talking like just, you know, uh, up late at night, sipping on decaf coffee, coffee, eating pie, 
talking to each other about whatever. And that's the original way podcasting was supposed to be and, and the most popular podcast in the world still kind of held to that uh, that ethic just to be literary and personable, just create interesting conversation. And I've done that primarily by way of monologue. Of course, we've had tremendous guests on this podcast, but it's primarily me. So flowing in that same vein of thought, I'm going to talk about me. I'm Justin Charles Gleason. I was born November 4th, 1982 to Stan and Marlene Gleason in West Jefferson, Ohio. At that time, my dad was the assistant pastor at a church. But it wasn't just 40 days after I was born in December of 1982. My dad left that church. He was elected pastor at a church in Sturdivant, Wisconsin. Excuse me, we lived in Sturdivant, Wisconsin. The church was in Racine, Wisconsin. And that church is still there to this day. And our family was there from December 1982 to the summer of 1987. And my family laughs at me, friends laugh at me, but I've got a memory. I can name events, I can name years. I don't I don't know, and I, I really don't think I <laughs> have that the sharpest of minds out there, but maybe it's from all the journaling I do, but I can place years and times with a lot of events in my life. But I do have memories of my childhood there in Wisconsin. And we left when I was uh, four years old, but I have memories there, some of my first memories. I remember the old church, and I remember I would always sit up in the front right next to my mom. There was a lady that went to that church. Her name was Linda. She would watch me from the beginning of service through what they called in the old days the song service. Now we call it worship time or worship segment or just worship, right? Back then, we called it the song service because it was songs (laughs) and it was a service. But you had those little red books. And you had uh, quite a selection of songs. Everybody stood, opened up those books, and you just sang and sang and sang. My mom was the piano player, the organ player, all of that. And while she would lead in song service, Linda would watch me. And then after service, my mom would get me, and she would come up to the front right of the church, usually the second row, and that's where she would sit, and I would sit next to her. And I had lots and lots of toys. And I remember one toy. It was a He-Man, a little toy He-Man. And it got stolen, stolen by uh it was then Kristen Paslane <laughs> now Pastor Kristen Ellis. Uh, I think she denies it to this day but it's a true story. She stole my He-Man at Ohio camp meeting. I'm still waiting for that He-Man back. <laughs> but I had little toys, little cars and I remember playing with those in church. My mom would get me under the pew and just give me toys and and I would play and I would try to be quiet. But I remember as a kid under the pew one Sunday morning and looking under the pews at everybody's shoes everybody's shins, everybody's calves in that little church. And I had the bright idea of what would it be like to army crawl underneath these pews? I don't, there might have been 30 rows of pews in, in, in that old church. And so I did it. I started from the second row, crawled all the way to the back, and I remember looking up at Linda. Linda sat in the back. She would watch me in the back during church. And then my mom would get me from that back row and take me up to the front, right, second row. And I remember looking up, and I looked at Linda, and she said, Justin, no. <laughs> I remember her shaking her head like, no, what are you doing? And I don't know, it was probably such so awkward for her to see me, look down and see me down there during my dad's sermon. 
I just looked up and realized I, I'm doing a bad thing, so I better go back to where I started. So I crawled through the pews, and I remember looking up at the saints and all of them looking down at me. Some of them looked at me, how dare you? Some of them looked at me and started chuckling. You know, their, their shoulders are bouncing up and down. They thought it was so cute and so funny that little Justin, Pastor Stan Gleason's son, is having a good time during his dad's preaching by crawling around and looking at everybody in the right section of pews in the sanctuary that Sunday. So when I got up to mom, I told her what I did, and she was so upset with me. So yeah, I remember that she said, don't you do that, Justin. You are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail. So our family left that church in 1987. My dad started evangelizing, and I remember a lot of different churches during that time. Uh, Our family traveled with my dad, mom, uh, Marissa, my baby sister then, and myself. We traveled evangelizing. I remember one Sunday, I had on a bright blue suit and my baseball cleats. (laughs) I loved baseball cleats. And to kind of give me, I don't know, incentive to make me feel good about going to a lot of church. My mom just let me wear my baseball cleats with my suit. I remember running around some church. I don't know where we were preaching. No idea. But I was running around. I was four years old, running around after church, having a good time like little boys want to do. And I remember as I came around the corner, my dad's hands were right there and stopped me. (laughs) He grabbed my shoulders and backed me up against the wall. And I remember looking up into his eyes, those old big 80s glasses and his dark brown hair. And I remember looking up at him and my dad looked at me right in the face and he said, Justin, stop acting like a wild savage. Straighten up. (laughs) I remember that. I was four years old. I remember that. And uh, then another memory I have of my dad during that summer my dad plays golf, phenomenal golfer, uh, by the way. And uh, he took me on the golf course. I remember sitting in that golf cart. I remember him looking at me, telling me, stay still, just don't go anywhere. He walks up, tees up the golf ball and just drives that ball way down the fairway. He looks down to try to find me. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm not in the golf cart. Dad looks left, he looks right, he looks straight, he looks behind him. I'm nowhere to be seen. It's like, where where did Justin go in just seven seconds? Dad looks down the, the hill, and there was a pond covered in bulrushes, and Dad knew that's exactly where Justin is. He runs down there, and sure enough, I'd gotten curious about the pond, maybe wanting to catch a frog or a turtle or a snake or something like that, and I'm in the pond. And I couldn't swim. I'm four years old, couldn't swim. And my dad reaches down in there, pulls me out. I, 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 I was drowning. I remember my dad grabbing my arms, pulling me out of there. I, 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 I would have drowned. He pulls me out, and I remember looking down at, at myself, my clothes. I was covered in slime. That greenish-brown moss all over me. I think he even had a few leeches on me. And I just remember my dad being 
thankful to God, happy I'm okay, and then being so mad I disobeyed him. I remember him getting me back in that golf cart. We drive back to the clubhouse, and he sprays me down <laughs> with a hose in the back. So, yeah, my earliest memories are my are my, my parents correcting me. Justin, don't crawl under the pews during church. Justin, stop acting like a savage in church and uh, listen listen to me. Don't go running and, and jumping into the ponds. <laughs> so... Yeah, we evangelized for a year. Then in the summer of 1988, our family was elected to pastor what was then Life Tabernacle, now known as the Life Church. And I remember being in this big blue van, a caravan van, and sitting in the back seat. And my dad was driving, just he and I were in the the van. I remember driving down this road with big, huge, hideous tree branches hanging all in the road. And all of these older houses, not very well kept, driving down a road and looking at an old metal building, kind of a yellowish metal building. And my dad said, well, Just, this is our new church. And that began our life here in Kansas City, and we're all here to this day. So that church uh, was something. My dad took a church with uh, low morale. Uh, it, it was just kind of a bad deal. I remember uh, being in Sunday school, my Sunday school teacher, and I remember he had all of us little boys uh, get these wooden blocks and build a little campfire, and we all got around the circle in the little campfire, and he taught us a lesson on how each of us are individuals, and each of us are special, and I remember him saying, all of you are unique, there is nobody like you, God made you unique and special, and he said, hold up your little hands, and we looked, and he pointed out uh, that we all have different fingerprints. I don't know why. You know, you just have lessons that just stick with you. And I had a great childhood there in that church, a tremendous, tremendous Sunday school program. Learned a lot about the Lord. But during regular worship church, this was back in the old days of uh, the old 80s church schedule. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay, you started out, you got to church at, at a 10 a.m. for Sunday school, right? And you had your little classes, and then you'd come in for a big worship service, right? So you're leaving at about noon, and then you go to the cafeteria. I remember that first cafeteria. Man, I loved that food. I loved that fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, all of that. Oh, it was just so good. And a little jello with whipped cream on top. I, but I remember looking around and thinking, man, there's a lot of old people in here. But it was good food. Um, a lot of people in our church went there to Furs Cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, just good food. You got got a, a good hot meal then and quickly, and then you were able to get home for a little bit of a nap. Then you were back at church at 4.30 for choir practice. All right. <laughs> then you had prayer at 5.30, and then you had church at 6 p.m. Now, Sunday mornings, you were really churchy. Really churchy. Nobody act too crazy, but for those of you that have grown up in Pentecost, some of you that aren't Pentecost listening to this, let me let me help you understand. Pentecost, Pentecost, we brought back freedom and liberty to worship. We believed if you are were sitting still, you weren't doing nothing for the glory of God. So Sunday night, we got down. <laughs> Choir would sing. Uh, I, I mean, it, you, you shouted, you danced. People would get the Holy Ghost. People would get healed. People would get uh, delivered from demons. I mean, a lot of great things happen. So, I mean, Sunday night church was powerful. I I remember just seeing mighty, powerful, sovereign moves of the Lord. 
And then afterwards, we usually went to a Pizza Hut. To me, pizza should taste like Pizza Hut. But I remember that old uh, Pizza Hut. You walk in and they had these cool arcades. Uh, they had Galaga. They had a Gauntlet Legends and something else. But I remember loving that Gauntlet Legends. I just felt like a hero, you know, with a, a sword and a shield or a big axe, swinging that around and and I destroyed monsters and, and raiding dungeons and stuff. But I remember that pizza being so good. When I was six, seven, eight years old, I could eat a whole large pizza, get home, go to sleep, sleep amazing, no crazy pizza dreams, get up on Monday and go to school with no problem. But that was just Sundays. That's how I remember Sundays. That schedule, long day, long day, but we did it. We had fun. Well, then you had Wednesday night at church. <laughs> And you come out to church, they usually had something for the kids. Dad would teach a lesson. It was great. But then we'd have these long revivals. Long revivals. And I just, I loved revivals as a kid. Eli Hernandez came. Lee Stone King came. A lot of great events. I remember Todd Nichols. Pastor Todd Nichols coming back in the day, in my teen years. And I... Those evangelists always captivated me, and sometimes I would uh, go to bed at night on Sunday nights, and I would cry knowing that the revival was over. I missed my church. You know, you got to go to school on Monday, right? But during those uh, years when I was a kid, church to me was an opportunity to draw and play video games and have fun, but God started really getting a hold of my heart. It was 1991. I was eight years old, and wait, 1991. Okay. Yeah, I would have been eight. March of 1991. I would have turned nine that November in 1991. It's March of 1991. I'm at Missouri Youth Convention. Powerful meeting. Still is to this day. My mom and dad are kind of sitting in the back with me. And uh, I had a, a little Game Boy. And I was playing all my games. I had all my games in my pocket. I had Mario Brothers. I had uh, Ninja Turtles. And I had Zelda. And a couple other games. And I'm playing my video game through the entire service. And and uh, I remember <laughs> Brother Ron Libby up there preaching. All these cool youth group kids all around me. I'm playing my video games on silent. I remember him up there preaching. And he had this little tape recorder. And anytime he would play it, you'd hear the sounds of these chirping frogs. <laughs> ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. In his message, I found out years later, he was preaching about why would you spend one more night with the frogs? You know, Moses comes to Pharaoh, says, I can get rid of the frogs. And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. And the idea is, why would you wait one more night to have the frog and the plague? You know, the frogs and the plagues in your life. Why not get rid of them tonight? Closed his Bible, turned the tape recorder off. And I mean, everybody just rushed that altar. And I remember seeing all of these cool, you know, when you're seven, a 14-year-old looks so cool to you, right? I remember seeing all these teenagers get up and come to the altar, and something just gripped my heart. It was the Lord. I felt the pull and the touch of the Holy Ghost for the first time in my life when I was eight years old. I put my Game Boy in my pocket. I get it from my seat all on my own, and I go forward, and I just started weeping in the presence of the Lord. I was touched by God, uh, and I, I will never forget that feeling God's presence for the first time. Later on that year, on October 22nd, 1991, Lloyd Squires was preaching a children's revival for us, and I got the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism. I, I saw it. I felt it. I knew I had to do it. My dad baptized me, and when I came out of the water, a wind came across that water. I felt summoned by God for the first time in my life, and uh, I just I fell in love with altar calls at that time. 
I mean, I wouldn't pay attention during the song service. <laughs> wouldn't pay much attention during the preaching, but whenever the altar call came, man, I love to come forward and pray. I still love altar calls to this day. Some kids, some people, adults, whoever, their first years in church, uh, the the worship service gets their attention. Some of them, it's the preaching that really gets their attention. Some of them, it's the, the Wednesday night spaghetti suppers that get their attention. But for those of us that are into spiritual things, we love those altar calls. It's really my favorite part of service to this day, the opportunity to, to receive from the Lord, to truly be fed, and to see miracles, wonders, and signs happen. So that was the beginning of my childhood. It was church. A lot of sports, a lot of games, a lot of fun, fun things, family time, you know, Christmases, all those things. Great family dynamic, wonderful family dynamic. And, and I want to say about my parents, you know, my earliest memories are them correcting me. I thought about this. I've heard other people talk about the way their parents disciplined them, and it, and it made them angry. Uh, parents, if you're disciplining your children and it makes them angry, you're doing it wrong. The Bible forbids parents to provoke their children to wrath. Part of the reason why so many people are messed up nowadays because their parents made them angry. Anytime my parents corrected me, spanked me, punished me, told me to stand in the corner after it was done, I always felt loved. I never felt like my parents hated me. I never felt like they were mad at me. I always felt loved. And it's a part of who I am today, why I, I guess, stand for righteousness and doing the right thing. My parents, I just had just tremendous parents, a tremendous church, but I fell in love with a tremendous God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So eight, nine, ten years old, I had tremendous experiences with God. I remember going to my first uh, Missouri District Youth Camp. And I remember getting up off the altar one night. And I remember thinking, what just happened? It was like I went somewhere else. And people told me. They heard me speaking in tongues. And uh, I remember thinking, if I did, I must have missed it. And that very well could have happened. I, I was caught away in the Holy Ghost. When I turned 11, 11 years old, it was January 1994. We were having revival, and I remember getting up out of my seat to come forward to pray. And it used to be every all us uh, boys, grade school boys, would pray together. Some of our Sunday school teachers would get around us and pray. But I remember praying all on my own, nobody around me. And I remember praying and worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, I began to speak in different languages. <laughs> And I stopped and I remember looking down and realizing, whoa, that's the real Holy Ghost. And I took off running around that church. <laughs> I've been running ever since. And uh, my life was changed. And I've been uh, talking in tongues ever since then. It's uh, grown and even tongues have changed from time to time in my life. But I, I think really in that moment, the gifts of the Spirit were implanted into me. From that time, thoughts would come to me. Feelings would come to me that weren't mine. They would come from Almighty God, Almighty God. 1994 was a big year for me, a very, very big year for me. So I received the Holy Ghost in January, the sign of speaking in other tongues. That summer, my dad was the day speaker of Wisconsin District UPC Youth Camp. And, and King Gurley was the night speaker. I was 11 and you know, I'm, I'm at that age, you know, you're leaving childhood and approaching your preteen years, starting to mature a little bit. 
But there was just something about being away from home, being away from my home district. You know, you can, in a new territory, you just, I don't know, you, it's, it's easy to focus on, on the Lord in those type of settings. That's why getting away, resting yourself is spiritual. It's biblical. So I'm there at that youth camp. And I mean, it was rocking. <laughs> it was so powerful. Great preaching. Uh, King Gurley preaching all that worth the weight stuff. Powerful teaching. I obeyed it, followed that worth the weight plan. So did my wife. Have a great marriage to this day, benefiting from those teachings from Brother Gurley. One of those night services, I think it was the Friday night, the last night. I mean, I was just caught away in the Lord in that altar call. And I remember the Lord speaking to me audibly in my ear, saying, Justin, I've called you to preach. Justin, I've called you to preach. And when I say audibly, I didn't hear it with my physical ear, although God has talked to me like that a, a few times in my life. But in that moment, I call it my mind's eye, my my mind's ear. You, know, you have a mind's eye. You can see things in the eye of your mind. Same thing happens with your ears. You can hear it in your mind. The audible thought. That's what God said. I've called you to preach. And I remember just hitting the floor. And I was the last one to leave the altar. Matter of fact, my dad found me in the altar. <laughs> and it was a powerful, holy moment. I, I told him what happened. And it was the, the beginnings of uh, the ministry for me. But I, I kept it to myself. I really didn't tell anybody about it. I was just wise enough. Just because you're called to preach, you don't need to talk about it. You just need to do it. <laughs> don't be a, a person, you know, all talk, no action. But, you know, I still was a kid, still wanted to be a kid, still wanted to be a teenager. I knew I'm not going to start preaching in my teens, although nothing wrong with any guy who does. But I don't know. I learned how to pray for people. I learned how to minister one-on-one. -on -one. It really wasn't pulpit for me. It started out really uh, ministering through the Spirit in altar calls. That's really where a lot of my ministry began when I was a teenager. And so during those teen years, that's what I did. Well, I still had life to live, went to school, all of that. But uh, I played sports as a kid, mostly baseball. But I found so much fulfillment in extracurricular activities, not in school, but actually in work. Just after my 16th birthday, I went and got a job <laughs> at a local little steakhouse in, uh, in our suburb that we live in out, outside of Kansas City, and I loved that job. I loved it. Didn't hardly make any money, but I don't know. I just loved the, I just loved work. I, I just found like a dignity in it. Really was not much of a student. I, I wish I could go back in time and make better grades, but I gave it a 100% and A plus when it came to work, and I... A lot of guys get started, you know, in uh, retail, construction, whatever. I, I don't know. I just found purpose in restaurants. Uh, my dad's first job actually was a busboy, so I took I took after my dad, right? So I, I bust tables, and I learned how to interact with people. I learned how to uh, be respectful to a boss. I learned how to save money, learned how to tithe, learned how to uh, be wise with money, all of those things. But I got to tell you one story. I'm in that steakhouse, I'm busting tables, and there's kind of, you know, when you're working, you try not to interact with people, you know, have you ever had one of those busboys or a waiter that just like wants to be your best friend? Oh, how annoying that is. But I, I wasn't that way. I just kind of kept it professional, didn't pay attention to people, didn't want them paying attention to me, just kind of, you know, clean up a table in silence. Well, there was this table next to me. I noticed 
something awkward, something was wrong. And I look over and I see this woman, she's there with her husband, a few other people, like a table of four, and she's got her hands on her throat. And I'm looking at her and I realize no voice is coming out, no air is coming out. The look of terror is upon her countenance and I realize she's choking. Everybody else at the table is kind of like just looking at her, not doing anything, just looking at her, staring at her. And something just came over me. It had to have been the Lord. I walk over to her. Now, keep in mind, I am not CPR certified. I'm not Heimlich Maneuver trained. I, I don't know what came over me. I just walk over there. I put my arms uh, uh, under, underneath, uh, underneath her arms, and I pull her up. I get behind her, and under my breath, I said, in Jesus' name. And I made a fist, put my hand over the f- fist, and just pushed a little bit on her diaphragm, and this big old shrimp and other things started flying out of her mouth. Just poof, poof, poof. <laughs> And the people looked at me like nothing was going on, nothing was wrong. Uh, no standing ovation. Nobody was clapping. It was just like, carry on. I just said, lady, are you okay? She goes, I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, 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 should, I should take smaller bites. ha, ha, ha. And the people at the table just kept eating, wiped their mouths and their napkins, kept eating and drinking. <laughs> and I just, so I went about my business, but on the way home, I remember thinking, I just saved a lady's life. <laughs> and um, it's something to me, my, you know, you have jobs, you preachers, you teachers, you know this, you'll have jobs and things happen in your life that'll prepare you for what's about to come. Like David taking care of sheep. You know, he has to fight off lions and bears just to care for those little sheep. Well, he becomes king. He's no longer tending the flock, but he's tending Israel, having to keep enemies away from from them. I learned a lot in working in restaurants and cleaning tables, and I eventually became a waiter. I learned a lot about how to care for people, especially when I worked at the Cheesecake Factory. I opened the store at the gallery in St. Louis. Yeah, that was in 2001. I, I learned a lot about restaurants. You know, people would come in having to wait for three hours, sometimes four hours. They're starving. They're hungry. They sit down. And I'm there to... Uh, it, it, I'm amazed in how many times people had sit down you know, looking at that ginormous menu and still have no idea what they want. I'd have to help them make a decision. I described to them how delicious food was and things like that. But I learned you just... You have to expect the unexpected. You never know what's going to happen there. I saw some stuff in restaurants. I'll never forget saving that lady's life. I just, nobody was screaming. Nobody was yelling. She's choking. Oh my God, she's choking. Nothing. It was quiet. <laughs> she's just over there. She can't breathe. Nobody's calling 911. Nobody's doing anything. And I've just realized, open your eyes. God will lead you to whoever needs help. And the supernatural happen, and don't expect applause or celebration or anything like that afterwards. The reward comes from God in heaven. Praise the Lord. The Justin C. Gleason podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and more. Please leave a five-star rating and a great review. Contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. And share this episode with your friends. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level.
So it's all right. So I had great teen years. Uh, for the most part, stayed out of trouble. Was never arrested. Didn't get no girl pregnant. Uh, and you know, just I was never in and out of church. I was a little up and down, but never in and out of church. But uh, I served the Lord, and I knew I had a call of God on my life. I knew deep down inside I was supposed to go to Gateway uh, Bible College. <laughs> Gateway Bible College, rest in peace, now known as the Great School Urshan College. I always knew deep down within I, I was supposed to go. I've, I don't know. I've had a problem in my life where the will of God is as plain as can be right in front of me, clear as can be, peaceable as it me as can be. But in my life, I felt like, you know, I'm supposed to struggle and I'm supposed to have all this conflict and, you know, grow through this crisis till finally I discover, you know, what is supposed to be. I've, I've ga- I gave up on that. I've now figured out just, just go with, <laughs> just go with God's will, what you know to be true and real right in front of you. It's there. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to fight. I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just, there's something in me, the psychology of it. I, sh- I shouldn't have it easy. There's a lot of things that just kind of come, you know, not so much easy, but just clear and plain. I really haven't had to go through a lot of confusion and trials and circumstances where I'm just perplexed and not knowing what to do. I'm sure those those days, I have had those days, and I'm sure they'll probably come. But when it came to major decisions in my life, such as where I'm going to go to school, I, I knew it deep down within. But there was something in me that said, no, I maybe should explore some secular college or maybe explore other Bible colleges and... I remember it was the summer before my senior year. My dad uh, sat down with me and said, son, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And, you know, I mentioned every other option except (laughs) Gateway. He said, well, okay, well, you know, I want to try to help you make decisions, but I I, I want you to make the decision. Do what you want to do. Feel, you know, feel it out. Go where you need to go. Right. So I appreciated dad for that. Well, January. 2001 comes. I'm going to graduate in May of 2001. Gateway Bible College Corral is up there singing away, directed by Jeremy Hoffey. And I was just captivated by that corral. The musicians were just phenomenal. The singing was phenomenal. Just And they were just all so super cool, right? They're singing that old song. It's a, a Kirk Franklin song. Um... I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may comes my way, my life is in your hands. I got up on my feet, and I'm just praising the Lord, enjoying the music. And when I said that phrase, my life is in your hands, it was like a a, a big light bulb moment, a spiritual light bulb. I realized that I don't really need to make decisions like this. God's making these decisions for me. And God spoke to me and said, go to Gateway for four years. I I hadn't heard the Lord since I was 11. Same voice, same audible voice in my mind. God said when I was 11, Justin, I've called you to preach. I heard those same words in my mind. Go to Gateway Bible College for four years. And so that's what I did. I graduated, had a great summer, went to Gateway Bible College in 2001. From 2001 to 2005, I studied theology graduated with my bachelor of arts in theology from gateway bible college <laughs> i have to i have to stress that because we we joke and say gateway bridal college <laughs> i'll get to that in a minute but i loved that school i made great friends still friends with many of those students here today a lot of us are now pastors evangelists married with kids a lot of us are now you know turning 40 right but uh, it was something. It was a great school. It, most of us didn't have internet. A lot of us had 
uh, old school cell phones, all of that. It was just, I don't, life was just really cool, really, really good uh, back then in the early 2000s. But I got to tell you, um, I've been, I've told this story to a few people and everybody that I tell, they say, Justin, you need to tell this story. So everybody's saying I need to tell it. So I guess I should tell it. I've always, the story of Joseph fascinated with me when I was a kid. There's just always been this fear that if I tell what God has given me, such as a dream, I'll be hated and and cast out and I won't have any friends. (laughs) Then I realized, uh, no, if God gives you something, you probably should tell it. I think it was T.F. Tenney that says, if, if, if you won't tell it, God won't give you anything else. So I'm just going to start telling my stories, okay? You can take it for what it's worth. If, if you can't uh, be uh, content with God's will in my life, then you know what? You shouldn't listen to this podcast, okay? So it is, let's see, where's the timeline? It's the fall of 2003. I'm a junior. And I prayed, I started really developing a prayer life my junior and senior year. My first two years, it was nothing but uh, fun. And eh, so, but the last two years, we got serious about it. So I, I would pray from 11 p.m. to midnight. Try to do that about three nights a week. Some nights I'd work late and I couldn't do it, but I always tried to pray from 11 p.m. to midnight. So I I'd come down, I pray for about 20 minutes, and then I'd read my Bible for about 40 minutes. And I still stick with that pattern to this day. <laughs> 20 minutes of prayer every day, 40 minutes of Bible reading. That's just what I do. It's worked out really great for me, that 20, 40-minute plan of devotion with God. So I'm down there praying in that prayer room on that second floor of the old boys' dorm dormitory. Actually, that's uh, the, so you had the boys' dormitory, then underneath you had all the classes. I don't know what they have it nowadays. Of course, we don't even own that anymore. No telling what's been done to that old Catholic monastery. I'm down there praying, you know, the sun's already gone down, but let me uh, let me just describe the setting for me. I'm praying. Sometimes my eyes are closed. Sometimes they're open. I'm pacing around on the floor, and a voice speaks to me and says, Justin, I've called you to be a New Testament prophet. I remember going up in my room, and I, and I just was so perplexed by what just happened. And, I, and, it, and when you get something like that from God, it's like downloading a big file on your computer. You know, you get it in a split second, but to... But to open it, to understand it, you know, it may take you a few weeks. I kept it to myself, but after that, my ministry went to a totally new level. I remember being, I was in the corral, I remember being on a corral tour, and we we sang, and then we were ministering to people in the altar. I come down to this girl, and I started praying for her. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm still like, what just happened there? You know, normally when you pray for somebody, God bless them, God touch them. Stuff just started flying out of my mouth. I'm praying for this this lady. And I said, the Lord says unto you, your deliverance is tonight. Depression is coming out of you tonight. Baggage is coming out of you tonight. And I started naming all these specific details about her life. Things I didn't know. God knew, and it just started flowing out of my mouth. I ended up casting a devil out of her. I didn't even realize that was happening. She started screaming Eyes rolled back. I thought it was God touching her. No, it was a demon coming out of her. All of the abuse, all of the shame just started coming out of her. It was prophetic ministry. Yeah. I remember it was a general conference was like only a month after that. I'm at general conference. I'm down in the altar. Gateway uh, choir sang that year. I'm praying down at the altar for somebody. And this guy's up there praying. And uh, I didn't know him, but I, I found out later he was a pastor's son. He's up there praying 
he's talking in tongues, getting a hold of God. And while I'm praying for him, all of a sudden, I know what he's saying in tongues. And I said, I said to him, I know what you're saying. You're speaking in tongues. You're praying to God, asking him, Lord, please help me with the things I don't like about myself. And when I said that to them, him, he collapsed right on me, started sobbing. And what I didn't realize was he was up there asking God to deliver him from homosexuality. And he was delivered right then and there. <laughs> I would just be praying for people, talking to people, and stuff would just start flying out of my mouth, my words. It was like God would just read their heart through me. And so, yeah, it, uh, prophetic ministry was birthed in me right then there in that moment. I've, I don't know if I've ever told that story publicly, but I'm still meditating and thinking about that because prophetic ministry is something I've really, if I can be, I've just, the, the day I turned 40, I thought about a few things and one of them was prophetic ministry. And I just got honest with God and I said, Lord, I feel like I've only dabbled in it. You know, I've mantled that ministry really a lot in pastoral ministry and a lot of humor, to be honest with you. But let me tell you, I have seen some stuff. I've confronted some stuff. And I'm just here to tell all of you listeners, I gladly accept this ministry. And if it flows out of me, I'm going to let it flow. I'm not containing it. I'm going to let it go. But I just believe in something I've preached and taught on this podcast. You stay natural with the supernatural. And I've never wanted to be weird and never wanted to be crazy. All I've ever wanted to do was just obey the Lord and see people edified. But uh, something has changed and snapped in me since this past Friday, a week ago today. And I am... I feel like I'm 40. I feel like now I've, I've lived some life. I, I have something to say. I don't care how old or young you are. If God has a word for you, I'm going to tell you what it is. Whether it's to edify, to point you in the right direction or correction or whatever. I'm, I've made up my mind. I've promised myself I'm not holding back. If God has given you a gift, you got to use it. But all of it began uh, when I was in Bible college. Yeah, it's a powerful ministry. It's, it's in me. It flows through me. And uh, I hope I'm not freaking anybody out by this. Maybe some of you that went to Bible college at me, you're listening. You're like, oh, my God, that happened to you, Justin Gleason. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I didn't tell anybody about it. I just started doing it, right? Well, now I'm telling you. Here we are nearly 20 years later. It actually is 20 years later. That happened 20 years ago. Wow. At Bible college. So, all right. So, that, that, that's really the, beginning, the beginnings of my ministry. God, call me to preach. Call me to prophetic ministry. Uh, so I came home in 2005. My dad had asked me to be youth pastor, and and uh, the Lord confirmed that to me. I came home, and I got to tell you, I was not a good student in school. I really never thought of myself as a preacher. I want to be a mighty evangelist. You know, people get the Holy Ghost and healed everywhere. Well, I came home, and my first ministry did not begin with big conferences and revivals. It began uh, with, a, with a room full of teenagers with attitude. <laughs> and that is who I ministered to. And I was so shocked. I got up there with my Bible, had a marker board, and I taught teenagers the word of God. And I couldn't believe it. They listened. <laughs> and it made an impact on them. Got a lot of those kids reading it in their Bibles and praying. And uh, we started having powerful youth services and totally changed the dynamic of that youth group. That that youth group, those parents, those gener that generation, they thought youth group was supposed to be like bowling and laser tagging every Friday night. I, I quit. 
I couldn't deal with it. Trying to compete with high school football and other things going on, I said, forget it. So I talked to dad. I said, we got to have a youth service on midweek service. So that's what we did. And it's still happening to this day. Powerful youth services. So I (laughs) I had to fight through some stuff. But those who are with me, those kids, amen, they're serving the Lord to this day. Some of them still in our church, married, kids doing great. Those who were against me, well, (laughs) uh, didn't turn out so well for them. So we'll leave it at that. Maybe when I'm 50, I'll I'll tell stories about some of the enemies that I've had and attitudes and spirits I had to confront. Oof, I tell you. You And another thing when I turned 40, I started telling God, Lord, I feel like I can't fight back. I feel like most of my life I haven't been able to fight back. Well, a lot of it, God fought the battles for me, but I'm I'm feeling it now. Something's changed. I am going to have to fight back uh, against some opposition. So anyway, but I loved being a youth pastor. I really developed the teaching ministry, the preaching ministry, all of that in my life. But uh, I came back home from Bible college very discouraged because I wasn't married. You know, they called it Gateway Bridal College. I guess it was the place to go to get married, right? <laughs> but I wasn't married. And I've talked to, about this story extensively in past episodes. Let me just give you a summary. The Lord told me, uh, I turned 23 and near Christmas time, I was praying at the altar and I said, God, I'm not married. Why am I not married? The Lord said, you're going to see your wife in 2006. Well, in 2006 came, I met every girl that I could, took every girl that I could out on dates, all of that. There was only one girl that I saw that I never met, never interacted with, and it was a blonde girl that I saw at General Conference, who I later found out was Anna Bullock, now Anna Gleason, who you know as Sister G. So 2007 came, I, was, I remember being New Year's Day, looking down at my journal, writing down what I felt like God spoke to me, and I ripped that page right out of the journal. I thought, I didn't hear from God. 2006 has come and gone. I'm not, I'm not married. I'm not engaged, let alone I don't even have a girlfriend. So 2007 was a very depressing year in the relationship department and a lot of aspects of my life, kind of a darker year for me. 2008 came, uh, I'm at a wedding, and I meet Anna. A few months later, we finally had the serious talk about our lives and the future. And all of a sudden, I remembered all these nice ladies that I met, only one that I saw that was I thought was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I tell you that when I first saw Anna, I was knocked off my feet. I was just smitten. That blonde hair, beautiful blue eyes, tan skin, just, I mean, goodness. And uh, she still knocks me off my feet, by the way. <laughs> That we had the talk, and I remembered what God had said to me, and I, I said, "Were you at General Conference, Columbus, Ohio, 2006?" And she says, "Yeah." I said, "Were you? Do you remember being in the hotel lobby on Friday night and uh, this and that and the other?" She goes, "Oh my God, I remember that, and oh my God, I remember seeing you from a distance." So I realized God's word was fulfilled right then and there in that moment. I saw my wife. I didn't meet her; I only saw her. So I knew then and there through the word of the Lord, through signs and wonders, Anna was to be my wife. So we didn't rush it. We uh, had great long-distance dating. And from meeting her in July of 2008, 21 months later, we married in May of 2010. Great dating years. Great dating years. uh, The the foundation of a marriage is not your first year of marriage. No, it's your dating. That is your foundation of a marriage. Got to have those good dating years, right? So, yeah. So there I am. I'm, I'm newly married, 2010. 
Anna and I sit down after our honeymoon and we start talking about what we want to do in the first season of our life. And we decided that we would save as much as we could. We ended up saving in those first three years. I remember adding it up. It was like 47% of our income, 47% of our income to put a down payment on a house. And we did that. We bought our first house in 2013. Great story there. God really helped us out. A tremendous story. I don't have, goodness gracious, I've already gone too long. I told you this would just be me chatting about life. So if you're still, you're still with me, you're still with me. God bless you. But uh, I'm I'm still coming off birthday mode. I've been eating cake, eating steak, <laughs> having a good time, and, and trying to slowly get back to you know the normal routine of life and work here. But we bought our first house, and uh, we said uh, we want to uh, you know have a house and then start having children. So 2013, we get the house. We'd been married for three years, and we said after five years, we want to have kids. So after five years, uh, uh, our first baby was born, little honey. And uh, yet then in uh, 2016, then in 2019, our firstborn son came, secondborn, the firstborn son, little bubby. And then last year, 2021, our third child, Ezra, baby Ezzy, was born. And so, yeah, there you just kind of have a snapshot there to my childhood, my teens, my 20s, and my 30s. And now here I am, uh, a 40-year-old man. And my first 40 years have been wonderful. <laughs> God has spoken to me, and I said, yes, I'm available. I married the love of my life. I have kids. I have a great church. And God has been so good to me. He's just so good. My life is still in his hands. And his word has truly been a light to my feet. A lamp to my feet, a light to my pathway. God's word has been my guiding light. And uh, a lot of other things have been spoken over me in those 40 years of life. That a lot of them are coming to pass in the season right now. And I just thank God for it. I'm moved to tears. When you think of the goodness of Jesus, you can't help but cry. But this podcast is a major part of my life. Uh, if you haven't, go back and listen to the episode I did with uh, my childhood friend, Justin Cantrell, great man in our church now. This podcast, a lot of it, the technique of it, the beginnings of it, it didn't start in 2020. It actually started in 1990 <laughs> making tape recordings of myself and with and with my friend Justin Kentro this podcast has been like an escape for me it's like not even work for me it's like fun it's like joy it's like a hobby and i save my the messages you all send some people i I, remember I got one message. A mother in Indiana sent me a message. She said, I just happened to see your podcast on social media. Somebody shared it. I listened to it. She said, quite frankly, I wasn't into it, but I knew my backslidden son would be. So I showed it to him. Her son was about 18. She said, my son was on the verge of completely walking away from God, moving in with a girlfriend, getting into drugs, doing this and that, just living a horrible, sinful life. She said, I shared 
your podcast with him and she said and there was like maybe i don't know maybe 10 or 12 episodes at that time that's 2020 she said he listened to every episode i could hear him at night playing those episodes over and over again and she said after about the third or fourth night he just kept listening and listening she said i heard him talking in tongues and he prayed back through in his room (laughs) oh my god you know, you know, I, I podcast in a in an empty room. Anytime I turn on this microphone, I can, I just, I see your faces. I hear your laughs. I hear you talking back to me. I, I don't know how to explain it. This, this is just such an unusual ministry. You know, when you think of preaching, you think of a live audience, but. Sitting here making these really laid back recordings, just talking to you about whatever pops into my mind. I never thought it would go anywhere. I honestly thought it would play out. But since I've turned 40, I it's been this has been a uh, not a difficult year for me, but a very very busy year, but productive. A lot happening, being a dad of three young kids, moving uh becoming the pastor elect of this this church. It's there's just been a lot there and you know, I, I feel like I've been a little bit distracted here and there, but I've, I've stayed on point. The, the mission has been there. We've produced a lot of good episodes, but I just, um, after I turned 40, I thought a lot about this podcast and I just got a glimpse of the future and I'm so excited about what God has in store of the things we're going to be bringing to you. But if I could just sum up the, my 40 years of life for all of you podheads, it would be this, the will of God at any cost. <laughs> the will of God at any cost. The way of God is the way of peace. The way of God is the way of peace. Know his will and know his way. And God will never let you down. But when you try it your way, you do what you want to do, oh, that's when your life will just come crashing down. God's will in his way is best. So uh, it's great to be 40. <laughs> I don't, I, if I feel better, I feel, I don't know why I feel better. It's weird. But um, life is so good. I've, I, goodness. I'm just so happy. I'm just so blessed. And I'm just looking forward to whatever God has next. This is a, my favorite time of the year. Uh, you know, we had a tremendous passing the mantle. I, I, it's my birthday, and then Thanksgiving, then you got Christmas and New Year's. It's just it's just an exciting time of year. I love it. But uh, we've... Uh, I, should, I don't even know what to say. I should just stop talking. <laughs> uh, I, I wish all of you uh, joy, peace, and happiness. I just, I'm excited about being 40. God bless you. Yeah.